and we're the Barclays. This is We're the Barclays, what you just said, our podcast about religion, culture, politics, and everything in between. Today, we are talking about big business. Why is that, Rachel? Bum, bum, bum. It's just in- or yay. <laughs> That's, I just say that because it's in vogue to hate on big business. And I would I was gonna say, you know, in this lately in this political environment, but it's kind of been coming like this in waves for hmm. a long time. It's not new to this current time. Ancient Egyptians hated big business. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Those darn big pyramid builders. And we're talking about this in particular because of the Amazon bid to buy MGM. That's right. For $8.5 billion. Which when I saw it, I was like, great, we need to shake the movie business up. I'm glad some innovators are like coming in. But then, you know, I turn on Twitter and I see everyone was so mad because... It's getting too big, which like, you know, do you people like not like Whole Foods and Amazon Fresh and getting your stuff in two days? I don't understand. How could this not be a good thing? Right, right. Uh, Senators were sending letters to Department of Justice to be very vigorous in the merger review of Amazon and MGM from both parties democrats and republicans mm-hmm. um right right it's not a partisan thing anymore both sides are very concerned about the bigs right you had the trump administration talking about you know amazon the bezos washington post uh <laughs> you have the current administration the Biden administration uh pledging to crack down on big business. Of course, Elizabeth Warren ran on breaking up big tech. Now you have conservatives saying that big tech should be broken up. Right. Um, and the government of all, all stripes and types. Uh, d- Democrats say big tech should be broken up. Um, right. So it's not, it's nonpartisan at this point. Right. It's and really, it's, it's like a, it's a party boat, a bandwagon almost. <laughs> Everyone's on the, on board. Which tells me that it's become a cultural norm, right? Hmm. Um, and everyone kind of feels this unease with the bigs, especially big tech lately, because it's kind of the newest big. Right. Um, but I was reading an op-ed in a paper from economist Stephen Moore, who was a big Trump administration advisor helper throughout all of you know their um you know policy setting and in his op-ed he said trust busting has is based in a century-old progressive fairy tale that america has been taken over by rapacious robber barons Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah that's kind of is in the dna that you know the rockefellers and the vanderbilts they just took everything from the little guy and i'm just imagining like the 1920s newspaper cartoons with big fat robber barons corporate fat cats exactly that's where it were comes from top hats cigars exactly exactly and that's what you kind of envision today with jeff bezos and mark zuckerberg so uh, it's not like these people saying you know arguing for breaking up big tech or uh you know trust busting doing more vigorous antitrust regulation which it would be called like what is the best case argument against big business I guess I think a, a different question is 
why? Why do they think that breaking, why do they think it's so important to break up big business? Like what evil is happening by big business growing bigger? Right. Well, so the, the popular narrative about the the early teens, Teddy Roosevelt, trust busting, Standard Oil, um, et cetera, et cetera, was competition was being crowded out. So with a large firm, a large company, they're either buying up their competitors or they're so huge and they're able to offer their products at such a low price that uh, new companies can't even compete. They can't you know, compete against that or, you know, these companies, I, I mean, there's legitimacy. So there's, there's that aspect. Then there's legitimacy to the argument against big business that big business uses special favors through helping, you know, quote, helping the government write regulations that work in their favor or, uh, like collusion between the government. The yeah. Acts. Getting yeah. maybe tax breaks. And I think though, those arguments, yes, like right. monopolies that are enabled by government policy, there's a real solution there is you don't do special favors for any company, right? You let them compete openly. And I think if you f- remember, uh, Steve Horowitz, this economist, uh, I've known for a while, he's, he's, he had this challenge and, you know, go out listeners at home <laughs> You know, try and find a monopoly that exists, like a true monopoly that exists without government favors. Hmm. And he's he's like, I can't, I can't name one, and especially that's harming consumers. That's the real test here, because that's the question: is is it, it harming consumers? But it wasn't always the question. Up until 1970, this is the Consumer Welfare Standard. Uh, that was this. It, the standard was like size and even like political favoritism and popularity and just like. Um, you know, all the, it was, it was shifting sands within the 1970s legal opinion. This isn't just opinions through the court built up through, through a number of court cases around the country. It's called, it's called the consumer welfare standard. So now it's, is it harming consumers? Is the size of a company mm-hmm. harmful to consumers? So all these, uh, these folks taught saying, you know, we should revive trust busting and, the, and strengthen antitrust rules. Say so we should get rid of that standard and mm-hmm. have something else that's maybe, based on size or other kind of like economic modeling about how competitive a certain industry is or a market is a particular market. Hmm. Because if uh, people who were arguing to break up these bigs were honest, it they could not make an argument that it was hurting consumers, right? So um, in our lifetimes, the cost of cell phones has fallen 95%. Cost of getting internet has fallen mm-hmm. 98%. The cost of internet transactions has fallen by more than 80%. Wow. Globalization has moved more than a billion people out of poverty. This, you know, you it you have a visceral reaction to, you know, the the fat cats, but if you look at the facts, all of these goods have become more available to more people, low income people, mm-hmm. middle income people, people in Africa, right? Have cell phones right. in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, not, yeah, we're talking like that was my, the in the boondocks, you can have a cell phone right in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Um, there are more cell phones in sub-Saharan Africa, last I checked, than this was a number of years ago, than there are people in the United States. Wow. So just the availability, and then it's not just a materialistic um, argument here, right? These goods make people's lives better, right? Right. It, it allows you know 
you to get your groceries faster and to communicate with friends and family and all these things. So there, there are good things provided by having these uh, materials at a lower cost. Right, because the size of a firm or a business can allow efficiencies, bargaining power, right? particular skills like Walmart, which was the villain in the mid-aughts. Remember that? <laughs> right. Everyone so many, hated Walmart in the mid-aughts. Didn't we hate like Nokia too? They were supposed to be... <laughs> Well, there are, yeah, there are these famous, um, gosh, like Fast Company or Business Magazine covers, like Who Can Stop Nokia was a real (laughs) magazine cover or MySpace, uh, the monopoly of MySpace. Right, right. Um, And yeah, in the mid-aughts, it was Walmart. But, you know, what Walmart was doing was like real-time inventory management with, you know, as soon as someone's scanning uh, an item in the checkout line, it's going to the computer and it's logging in something in the warehouse for shipment right it's like they refine that like amazingly compared to other stores and this gets to the argument maybe against walmart or others is your amazon now it's you know driving out what mom and pop businesses killing main streets and i think that should be acknowledged like there's there are trade-offs here but let's look at the the positive effects as you were saying it's how how much cheaper is it to buy quality products food at a walmart supercenter as compared to mom and pop store around the corner right but there, i mean let's you know also pause to like mourn the fact that oh like that is that's a family with history and right but let's also i'm just like on the other 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 <laughs> other 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 hand here the whole time <laughs> like let's not also romanticize the past i think there's a real temptation yes. here to romanticize the past or you know the small business uh status quo or the dream like let's let's instead be real about what we're talking about right right and it doesn't you know walmart a trip to walmart doesn't elicit the soft fuzzies that a trip to your like local toy store or (laughs) farmer's market or whatever does for sure so there's there's part of that just feeling too that you have about the bigs and and we've talked about this in podcasts past that it just doesn't feel right that mark zuckerberg has all that money or whatnot um when you know i thought i've actually thought about the parable of the loaves and the fishes Hmm. where jesus you know feeds the five thousand turns um a little bit into a lot and this Hmm. uh the scarcity mindset is not really biblical saying that like Hmm. there's only a little bit in this world and i don't like that they have it and i don't Hmm. or it doesn't feel right that um Mm -hmm. that's not and i know the bible isn't talking about money but the scarcity mindset and like you know, us versus them having things is not really biblical mm-hmm. <laughs> and thinking that way. But, um, and, and that translate, translates into economics. It's not a zero sum economy that if Jeff Bezos has a lot, that that means that I ha- necessarily right. have to have yeah. a little because yeah. he's having his slice of the pie. No, he's baking 200 <laughs> pies and I get a pie too. That's Yeah, that's a great point. Good Christian tie-in. I mean, think of it like the, I think it was 200,000 jobs over the last year hmm. were posted on Amazon. Wow. In the middle of the pandemic. Right. Maybe more even. And, you know, providing livelihoods for, for people and families mm-hmm. um, in a tremendous time of crisis. Delivering things when we're isolated at home, 
Right. And it's just, yeah, so it's, it's just abundance through and through, I think. <laughs> So if you can't tell, Taylor and I like the bigs, <laughs> <laughs> which is very unpopular these days. But we do have some critiques. Like I've been annoyed with, and I, with Amazon's fifteen dollar minimum wage ad campaigns, hmm. because they, of course, they can afford it. So they're saying, "Hey, federal government, you should set the fifteen dollar or the minimum wage of fifteen dollars." Oh, like how. You know, we're so noble. We're just doing this because we're noble and people deserve Like, sure, go ahead and pay that. But don't get make government force all your competitors to raise their wages. Thus, you know, putting them, probably putting people out of business. Right. Uh, or Facebook going around saying, like, uh, you know, one of their chief policy people last week or maybe early this week wrote an op-ed about how we need to update regulations for the internet. Oh, yeah. Well, guess who can handle that? Oh, Facebook can handle that. But, you know, startup companies, they need to spend their money on engineers and product designers. Not not, lawyers. Yeah, exactly. So that's the the critique we would have, right? Right. Uh, Big business using its power to... You know, or not even its power, but I think our lobbying for special favors that right. suit them, and even under the veneer of like a noble cause, it's right. like lobbying the government to ultimately keep other competitors at a disadvantage. Yep, yep. You know, crafting regulations that well, what do you know? They can handle it. Yeah. So like that's that that's our critique for sure. At least mine. Mm-hmm. Is that your critique too? I mean, I don't think they're all, all their labor practices are perfect. And you look at Amazon That's um, true. warehouse stories that have come out that aren't very good for workers. You know, I think, yeah, they are human and sinful and yeah, they, true. they could be doing more to help their workers. Um, so yeah, I would say, I think it's on them to make more ethical practices and it's on consumers to push these companies that you know Mm -hmm. on us us as consumers to um ask that of them and you know i think not only with their workers but we've also talked about with um their supply chains and this is everything nowadays supply chains that interact with unethical uh practices in say china Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that you know has recently come out with some of the the big tech companies or others um that yeah we as consumers do have power there that's a good point so we like the bigs (laughs) caveat that they are not perfect but certainly they you know back to the 19 teens to now have made our Mm -hmm. lives better overall so we're glad to see Amazon making a bid for MGM. And last, my last thing is that if you are of the persuasion that we need to make America great again, or if you think America <laughs> you <may have> heard. <laughs> is power, it should be a superpower in the world because, you know, other companies don't have hmm. uh, the same. Yeah. We just uh, keeping our market dominance mm-hmm. or or whatnot, um, then you should not be for breaking up big tech because if we break up our global dominance in the tech sector, then you know who's going to take up the mantle? 
Beijing, <laughs> um, right? And they are not going to hesitate to jump in and fill the market gap with um, their robotics and artificial mm. intelligence and all of their advances. And that is not going to make the world a better place, mm. having the Communist uh, Party making these choices and uh, better to have that happen here in America. That's a good point. We can't look to Europe because they love writing regulations for their companies. Right. Just, there, yeah. there are companies of any size. There are a few, but nowhere near the number coming from the United States. And China's creeping up. I mean, I was looking at these mm-hmm. the size, you know, largest market caps. Right. capped companies in the in the world and yeah there's more and more chinese companies popping they up. are not trying to break up their big actors right well yeah they they crack down once in a while but usually for political reasons right. which is the problem with antitrust reform mm-hmm. if you don't have the consumer welfare standard then it becomes politicized mm-hmm. and you you go after like the chinese government did with jack ma who mm-hmm. the founder and owner of alibaba ceo of alibaba he disappeared for a month and a half <laughs> It's unclear. They think he was just lying low to avoid uh, critique or possible imprisonment from the government. But they were doing an investigation of one of his firms. So I think that's usually what it's tied to. Hmm. But it's a good point. Stinkers. Stinkers and thinkers. Um, Let's see. Taylor, do you want to go first? Okay. My stinker is Andy Weir's wires. W-E-I-R. He wrote The Martian. Uh-huh. Uh, Artemis was his book. So he came up with a new book, I think Project Hail Mary. I haven't read it yet. But the one before that was called Artemis, about someone on the moon. And, you know, he's, like, hailed as this, oh, he's so accurate in his science fiction. Which is boring. <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't even know you read it. Yeah, I read it. I mean, it's been a few years back, but, uh, and this connects to my thinker, but... It was just dull. I, like, I just remember a scene. She's riding on a train on the moon, and it's dusty. <laughs> and there's a murder, I think, or something, and just, just snooze well, fest. No doubt. All space books seem very boring. It's not true, Rachel. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> stinker, I'm going off book a little bit. Cicadas. <laughs> <laughs> they literally are stinking. It's technically media... <laughs> I know. I, stinkers. I, I, I could not think of a stinker this week, so I had to go off off book. Yeah. All of the cicadas. At least they make music. They're starting to stink. They're they make really sound, loud. so they're media. That counts, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're how volume. Many do, how many do we have, loud. Rachel? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. It's insane out there. You could probably tell people who don't live here what's happening. Oh, yeah. I don't actually <laughs> don't know the geographic it's location. It's like... Here, plus maybe 200 miles north, maybe 100 miles south. Every 17 years, Brood X. Mm-hmm. 10? A, brood 10 of cicadas. It's like this 17-year uh, occurrence. Cicadas come up out of the ground, and they take over, and they're on all the trees, and breed. Billions? And, oh, yeah. It has to, it's, it's a lot. They're everywhere. We have piles of their molten shell, molted shells under our trees. Piles. And I guess they stick around for like six or eight weeks or something. Yeah. So yeah, they're my stinker. <laughs> and they literally stink. As they you said. literally stink. <laughs> Taylor, what's your thinker? It is Andy Weir's The Martian. I finally <laughs> read it. <laughs> I wanted, you know, I tied them together. Nice. Uh, the Martian. Yeah, it came out ten years ago, which is amazing. 
I was avoiding reading it because... The movie with Matt Damon? Well, yeah, that is one of the reasons, because we watched the movie. You and I did it together, right? Yeah. And you hate space movies, as you've noted. Thank you for doing it. <laughs> and the other reason... Well, it says, like, I've seen the movie. don't want to read the book. But then the other reason wasn't that webcomic XKCD by Randall Monroe. Randall Moore? Randall Monroe? Anyway, XKCD, his... It was like if if you want to read a novel or 200 pages about someone solving a math problem or like a Rubik's Cube or something, they read The Martian. I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. But then it was on all these lists of best sci-fi books, must-reads, blah, blah, blah. I found it for sale for $2 on Kindle and really enjoyed it. It was There were some like corny humor parts, but overall it was a page-turner. Huh. Wow. They talk, the only thing I remember about the movie was potatoes. There are potatoes featured. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's fairly well paced. <laughs> and it wasn't as mathy as I was dreading. Well, I will not be reading it, so thanks for the <laughs> recap. Um, <laughs> What's your thinker? My thinker is the uh, slowly released new album by Ellie Holcomb. Hmm. Uh, the first EP is a song called Canyons really outstanding i just love her and her husband's music uh ellie holcomb and drew holcomb and the neighbors hard last name to say (laughs) that's the whole band name uh no i forget though i forget the husband and wife band name but her music is very good and uh, who are the neighbors that's their band oh or no his band drew holcomb and the neighbors there we go like tom petty and the heartbreakers yeah Bruce Springsteen I feel like I'm getting it wrong. E Street Band. Listeners, don't judge me. I, I'm forgetting the band name. Anyway, <laughs> Ellie Holcomb, and she has written some kids' books that I really adore. And the kids' books uh, have an album of hers that go along with them. It's They're very sweet. Um, but her new EP, Canyons, has like beautiful cover art. It's a beautiful song, really inspiring. And hmm. yeah, it's very poetic. I loved it. Nice. Do they have a Christmas song, Holcomb, All, all You Faithful? Holcomb, You Faithful? Is that Holcomb, All You Faithful? Hmm, this wasn't your best pun. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. We've been working on our outro because it's just been embarrassing lately. I'll well, just say we just something. recognize it's been embarrassing. We haven't been working on it. We have. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd just start repeated, my repeated, I won't speak for you, my repeated <laughs> failures to do in a good outro. Wait, but we're, we haven't like we're come up with it. the solution yet. I thought we did. Anyway, here we are, <laughs> failing at an outro. Thanks for listening. So long. <laughs>